You're listening to The Chris and Joe Show on Big Blue View Radio, your go-to source for New York Giants analysis. Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning stays on his feet, airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Welcome back to The Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum. We are your analysis team here on Big Blue View, breaking down the roster, the film, everything you need to know past the headlines. Today's episode, for the sake of providing a, a review, a look back at how things have gone after nine games of the season, at this point in time, we're going to share what we think are the strengths and the weaknesses on this Giants roster, where we think this team currently stands, where they might need some help. All of that stuff is going to be broken down. And Chris, we're already starting in a difficult spot because we wanted to open with the best offensive position group. And after a little bit of back and forth and some thinking it over, There really isn't a best offensive position group. Now, if Saquon Barkley was healthy and playing right now, I think we could both pretty confidently say that Saquon makes the running back group the best group on this team. But right now, we have a lot of average players and a lot of guys that are underperforming in various position groups that brings down the value of those groups. So I don't think any one group is a whole head of the other. I think that maybe you have got some slight differences, but with with some groups that are better, they're also a lot worse at certain parts of their, their depth. Yeah, I actually almost went with running back anyway. Uh, maybe a little bit prisoner of the moment after the way they played this past game against Washington. But even with that, you know, we can't, can we really say that, that the Giants running backs have been good? Yeah. Even back when, back before Barkley went down, the offensive line was playing so badly that it didn't really matter who was carrying the ball because they were lucky if they got to the line of scrimmage. So it's really difficult to say that the Giants have any really good, strong position groups on their offense. Yeah, it's it's extremely difficult because right now you have Daniel Jones underperforming. You have inconsistencies on the offensive line. You've got some young guys stepping up. You have guys having good games. Other games, they're not playing very well. The receiving position has been all over the place. When Sterling Shepard's in the lineup, maybe you could argue that they are the best group out of the mix. But when he wasn't playing for a majority of the first half of the year, they were underperforming and Darius Slayton was was having some big performances. Uh, tight end is tough to truly value, but we're, we're going to break that stuff down. But Chris, like, do, do you kind of get on the same page as me that if we had to, if we really had to pick one, it might be the receiver group with a healthy Sterling Shepard in the mix? Yeah, I, I suppose we could maybe say that they're the least worst because Shepard does bring them up. He is a valuable addition. He is a good, reliable pass catcher, reliable hands, reliable route runner. Because without him, even when you have guys who are making plays, Darius Slayton, uh, Golden Tate made some plays without Shepard on the field. But 
just as a whole, they're, they were still really inconsistent. They really struggled to get open, generate any kind of separation. And yeah, that, it, that again, they, it's difficult to say they performed well enough to say that they're the best, but you know, maybe we could just say the least worst. Right. Least worst makes it a little bit easier because you can't really confidently pick one of these groups. Chris, if I were to pick my worst position group right now, if I were critically evaluating this offense, I would have to aim my direction towards the tight end group. Now, I think that Caden Smith is still a strong tight end too, but they're really not using him very much right now. He's really not doing a whole lot. When he's out there, he makes plays and he he does some good things, but besides that, we're really not getting a whole lot from Caden Smith just because he's not being used as a receiver. Conversely, Evan Ingram has been under underwhelming. We talked about before the season how we thought that Evan Ingram was going to turn into a huge receiving threat, going into an offense that likes to stretch the field, um, that utilizes tight ends effectively, that Jason Garrett is going to use Evan Ingram's skill set to the offense's advantage. Well, none of that has really happened. There's been a lot of real weird usage for Evan Ingram, and he's also not been too consistent with catching the football. That is his, that is his primary objective. He is a receiving tight end, and he is not doing a very, very good job of that. And then lastly, Levine Toilolo, for me, I don't think he's really done a whole lot. There's been a lot of penalties called on him for various mistakes that he's made. So from the very small, small sample size of him being on the field, it seems like every time he's out there, he mess- he does something wrong. So this group across the board is much weaker than I think any of us expected them to be going into the year. Yeah, absolutely. It's not a great thing when the strength of your unit is your tight end twos blocking. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you that The Evan Ingram experience has just been weird, frustrating, and disappointing. Part of it is Ingram's play. Part of it is his usage. And part of it, I'm not sure if it's a lack of chemistry or a lack of trust between he and Daniel Jones. But early on, we saw Jones just staring him down and leading defenders right to him. We have seen poorly placed throws. And we have also seen bad catch attempts from Ingram and just weird plays. So... All of that is bad and weird and frustrating. But for me, I'm going with the offensive tackles. I said before that the offensive line's play really limited the Giants running backs, especially early in the season. And it's still cropping up again, even in the middle of the season. But the Giants' offensive tackles, they've given up more pressure and I believe more sacks than any other bookend duo in the NFL. And I'm speaking specifically about Andrew Thomas and Cam Fleming because they have gotten by far the lion's share of the reps. It was a position we thought the Giants might have finally solidified. They might have finally gotten their long-term answer there. And it has just been concerning how much of a learning curve and how far behind Andrew Thomas in particular appears to be compared to the other offensive tackles the Giants could have chosen. Yeah, Cam Fleming, we know he is a career backup. He's been a career backup for a reason. But the two of them together, have they have been a liability for this offense. Right. I do agree that they have been a liability. I, I'm, I'm not completely out on Andrew Thomas yet. I think that he's a guy that's still 
getting comfortable. And we've seen him progress. He It's been slow, but he, we've seen him take some step forward. We've seen him look good against some top-level pass rushers. So I, that was why I wasn't willing to go in that direction of, of knocking the tackles. I will say, though, Chris, if we were to pick a biggest surprise player, a player that we think outperformed our expectations or has completely stepped up and we weren't really considering them to, to step in and do much, Matt Parrott has to be the guy for me. He hasn't played a full game. He hasn't played a huge amount of snaps, but whenever he goes in there and they try to rotate him in, his impact is noticeable. Like I was watching him against Washington going up against Chase Young, and he was making a lot of really good plays. You know, he, he was holding him up. Um, his kick sets look clean. He looked fast. His footwork looked really good. That's pretty crazy to think that he's doing all of this, despite at the beginning of the year, when we broke him down, we said that Matt Parrott has a very high ceiling. He's got the highest ceiling, um, one of the highest ceilings out of the rookies on this team, but he's going to take some time. We thought that we wouldn't see him until next year. And we also did say that if there's no Nate Solder, you should try and get him out there. But he's completely blown through that expectation. He still needs to work on that upper body strength like we talked about. But from what we've seen with his footwork, he's proven that that is not just a strong, like a strength, but it's like his best asset to the point where he can win one-on-one reps with guys. And then also, I mean, he's also shown some pretty strong plays. I mean, he put Ryan Kerrigan on his ass for for crying out loud. Matt Parrott continues to impress me. He is a guy that after the bye week should be the Giants' starting right tackle. And I can tell you right now, that kid is going to be very, very... Actually, I shouldn't call him kid. He's the same age as me. Um... <laughs> that Matt, right, Matt Parrott has to be the guy going forward, and he is going to be so good for this Giants offense uh, in the future. I'm so confident in that. I, I don't want any of my confidence in that statement to seem like a, you know I, I'm not all in. I'm a hundred percent in on him being good. Yeah, he definitely does need to continue to work on his upper body strength, uh, but his movement skills, his footwork, his lateral agility, his athleticism, that has proven to be an incredible asset for him because he can get into position. He doesn't have to fear speed off the edge because he can move almost as well as those speed rushers. And I think that might be the biggest difference between he and Andrew Thomas in that he doesn't have to worry about oversetting because he knows he can hit his landmark in time and he can move back to mirror inside rushes. He can put himself in position and he can, even if he can't stonewall bull rushes, he can at least deflect them using his athleticism. And like you said, that is surprising and impressive. Now, I definitely want to see what happens to him when he becomes the starter and off, I'm sorry, and defenses get tape on him and they get a chance to really study him, study his tendencies. That I think will be the big test for him. Right. We haven't really had a full enough sample size to know how he's going to play in a full game, but these various flashes have been so promising. And I think what makes it even more exciting is that he wasn't the fourth overall pick. He wasn't Andrew Thomas. He was a third round guy coming from a program that typically doesn't produce top-level NFL prospects. He's he's 
outperformed any of the narratives that you really want to pull um, on him. So he is very exciting for me, and I, I really want to see how he continues to develop. At this at this point in time, Chris, my biggest draft need, or you could also call it a free agent need, just off-season need that needs to be addressed. I believe that they need to go out and get a top-level receiver. They need to spend a first or a second round pick on a receiver and maybe not drafting one in the top five, but possibly trading back in to go grab one of the top guys. If you have like a Devonta Smith that slides a little bit or like a Rondell Moore who slides Jalen Waddle, if any of those guys slide, I think you have to be aggressive and try and step up to go and grab a receiver because right now you have Darius Slayton who if he's on, he has a good game. But if he's facing top-level corners, we've seen him get shut down pretty easily. We've seen him get slowed down by some good teams that have good corners. Sterling Shepard continues to be a really, really good option coming out of more so out of the slot, but he still can play outside. I still think that Sterling Shepard has provided a serious boost for this receiving group. Golden Tate's going to be gone. There's nothing to really analyze about that. He's he's not coming back. There's no way. There's no chance in hell that Golden Tate comes back. I will be shocked if he comes back for next season after everything that we've dealt with him. And then Austin Mack, we've we've talked up as being a fourth receiver. But what is keeping this offense from being dynamic, and I understand Daniel Jones is not really helping the case, but what is keeping it from being dynamic is not having an explosive, game-breaking receiver. Even if you go and somehow get a, a top-level quarterback Say you go and get Justin Fields, and we, we tried not to pick a quarterback here because that's a situation that we we don't know if they're going to give Daniel Jones a year or two more or if they're going to already bail. We have no idea. But if you go hypothetically get a Justin Fields or if, or if you traded for a Sam Darnold, you're not going to be able to help them that much, and there's not going to be that much of an upgrade even if those guys are playing better if they don't have good options to throw to. Good quarterbacks do help receivers, but you need good options for them to throw the ball to. Yeah, that's that's it exactly. You know, right now, Giants don't have that number one receiver. Their, their number one receiver is Sterling Shepard, and I'm a big Sterling Shepard fan, but he is just not a guy who can command coverage. He isn't a guy who can disregard double coverage. And... Darius Slayton is capable of impressive plays, but he isn't consistent. He really is a stretch the field third option. Like all along, I've compared him to Miles Austin, and that is still the comparison I keep coming back to with him. He is a very, very good third option. He is going to make his impact feasting on either second or third cornerbacks, or if you can maybe even force a safety on him. That is where he and Sterling Shepard are going to be at their best. And they need a guy who can command those number one corners, who can force defenses to roll coverage their way. That will open up things for everybody all across the field. There is a very strong sentiment that wide receiver is a luxury pick, but in the modern NFL, having a good number one wide receiver is a cornerstone of any effective, explosive, dangerous offense. I mean, you, I don't think you can pick an offense in the NFL that is great and does not have a great wide receiver. Just look what happened with 
the Seattle Seahawks with Russell Wilson. Everybody knew he was a good quarterback, but get him DK Metcalf, and all of a sudden he's an MVP candidate, and he's blowing away what people thought he might be able to do. Yeah, that that continues to be a, a major underrated pressing issue, and I think people always want to point to the offensive line, but wh- where else are you going to plug somebody new in? Your better players are at guard. You can obviously maybe upgrade at center, although Nick Gates has, has improved a little bit thus far. You have your tackles. I don't think a Penny Sewell is going to really do much because then it complicates things. Or do you bench Andrew Thomas? Do you push Andrew Thomas inside? Who do you get rid of? Who's inside? Do you move Matt Parrott inside? Like all that stuff for me, if you try and draft a, a tackle early or an offensive lineman early, I think that you got too many pieces moving around. You can go get a receiver that is going to fill in and fit into the mix and then also be your best receiver by drafting one early. That has to be the main, main priority um, for for the Giants this offseason. We're going to transition to the defense coming up soon. We can say with a little bit more certainty, the best defensive group for this team, and we're both on the same page, the defensive line every single time we do one of these shows is easily the best position group on this roster. They've created some serious havoc. They've slowed down opposing teams' run games. They are getting sacks, albeit after like five seconds. Leonard Williams is getting good production. We're seeing a defensive line that is boosting the quality of play of the linebackers, some of the edge players, and also the secondary. Yeah, and this isn't... I'm right there with you again. I I think it's pretty apparent watching the Giants what their strengths and weaknesses are. And on the defense, it, it has to be the defensive tackle position. I specifically say defensive tackle because, you know, the that's going to be a little bit meaningful coming up in a little bit, but you know, Leonard Williams, Dalvin Tomlinson, Dexter Lawrence, BJ Hill, Austin Johnson, the, the giants have a deep, deep defensive tackle rotation and they can bring them out in a number of different alignments. They can control the defensive interior, which makes life a hell of a lot easier for Blake Martinez and giants linebackers safeties, and they can push the pocket. Yeah. You know, as you said, they don't get pressure very quickly, but they are capable of being disruptive. We've seen Leonard Williams get sacks. Delvin Tomlinson seems like he's knocking down a pass every single game. BJ Hill, Austin Johnson, Dexter Lawrence, they're all getting into the backfield. This really, I don't think there's any other possible answer for the strongest position group on the Giants defense. Yeah, the reason why it's so easy to pick them is because you do have more talented players at other positions like Blake Martinez is very talented. James Bradbury is very talented. Jabril Peppers has stepped up his performance. But what makes this group the best is it's well-rounded. All of the guys that are rotating in and getting out there are playing well. Like Leonard Williams has five sacks on the year. Um, BJ Hill has played pretty well. Dexter Lawrence is not as good as we hoped he would, but still contributing and doing well. Dalvin Tomlinson, still the same level of space eater that we think that he is one of the most underrated players in the NFL. And then even Austin Johnson of all people, for some reason, somehow keeps grading in the nineties per pro football focus, despite only playing five snaps a game. So you have even your, your fifth guy going out there 
and still making a significant contribution, that is a proof of depth, that is a proof of absolute strength, and hopefully they don't have to shake things up and they don't lose any of those guys because it has somehow turned into the group that you could possibly uh, build the defense around. Now, Chris, where do you stand on the worst position group? What position group do you think is just underperforming and not doing very well? Well, this is why I specifically said defensive tackle, because I have to give the nod here to edge, specifically the Giants edge players. Now, they, we knew the Giants edge positions were going to be a little bit of an adventure this year. You know, maybe hoping Ocean Zimenez and Lorenzo Carter could step up. You know, don't know what would happen with Kyler Fackrell or Marcus Golden. Well, Zimenez is on the injured reserve. He might be coming back soon. Maybe, maybe after, maybe this week, maybe after the bye week. Uh, we don't know right now. Lorenzo Carter is done for the year. Marcus Golden is no longer on the team. Kyler Fackrell has made some plays, but they haven't really been consistent. And then who else has there been? Uh, Jabal Sheard. He just got here and, it's really more of like, hey, who's that guy with the hair? Oh, right, Sheard's on the team. Yeah, the it, the Giants' edge positions have been almost non-existent this year, and that I think has really held their defense as a whole back because now they're relying on the defensive tackles who are good at creating disruption and creating pressure, but they can't really do so quickly, and. The Giants have struggled to get off the field when they need to. And a big part of that is because they cannot create pressure off of the edge. They can't force offensive lines to give their good defensive tackles one-on-one matchups. And that limits what they can do with their blitz packages. It allows quarterbacks to have way too much time in the pocket and really just all in all, that the position we we knew it wasn't going to be strong, but it's been disappointing. Yeah, that that has been truly disappointing because they haven't produced really much sack production. You do have positives with Kyler Fackrell stepping up and performing well and making some big plays, but the sack production is what you need from your edge position. You need guys to come off the edge and create disruption at the very least. For me, and I guess it kind of goes with the edge conversation because of how Patrick Graham runs his defense. I think that the linebackers besides Blake Martinez have been the worst position group. If you take Blake Martinez out of the equation, which he's, he had one game where he, he had a scare where he didn't play for a part of the game because they thought he had an injury. He ended up coming back in, but like David Mayo hasn't looked that great. Devontae Downs, I still stand by, is not a very, very good football player. Uh, He is a special teams player. He is not someone who's supposed to contribute in a serious role. Besides that, like, I really, there's not a lot, and there's not a lot of redeeming qualities in this linebacker group. And it's it's even more confusing when they got rid of Ryan Connolly when the two guys that you have aren't, the two other guys you have aren't really playing very well. This is a group that I really need to see them bolster and round out because right now it's just not playing up to the level that we need. Now it's much better, much, much better than it's been in the past, but it's just, uh, it's still not there yet for me because of those bottom end players, those depth players, those other players besides, um, Blake Martinez. 
I would say Martinez playing as well as he has, particularly playing in the role that he has, saves it for me. Just gives them the enough to edge above the edge position. But even then, Martinez, he is a somewhat limited player. He is not awesome in space. Uh, he's very good coming downhill. He is a tackling machine. But you know, you put him in coverage, particularly on an athletic linebacker or a tight end, and they're going to get open. Devontae Downs, he's not going to help with that. David Mayo, again, another good special teams player. Probably not somebody you should be excited to see on your defense. But again, to your point, it's still better than it was last year. At the very least, Martinez knows where he's supposed to be and doesn't get stuck covering turf while players run past him like Alec Ogletree did. So now to talk about the biggest surprise thus far, Chris, I really like yours. I like mine just a little bit better because look, I I stand by this and I've said this already. If a guy proves me wrong, I'm now their biggest fan. I am their biggest supporter. And Leonard Williams, despite us knocking him on a consistent basis last year and throughout the offseason, he has 100% proven us wrong. Because he's doing the one thing that we said that he's not very good at, which is sack production and also quarterback pressures. And he's doing a hell of a lot of it. He's stepped up in in a bunch of games where this defense has kept them in it. Like against the uh, against the Bucks, they obviously won against the Washington football team. He had sack production in these games because he was able to be disruptive. Now, I don't think that in the future, if they actually find a good edge rusher, he's going to still do that same stuff. But Leonard Williams has, has proven that he's actually worth the, the contract. Maybe not the number that he's asking for, but the money that he's making on the tag, he's not too far off from it. He's not one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL, but he's currently, if you didn't see this on the Instagram account, he's currently the highest grade player, graded player on the team, higher than James Bradbury somehow. That's according to PFF Giants on Twitter. He has performed way better than any of us thought. I was hoping that he'd be gone this offseason after being tagged, but no, Leonard Williams, a very pleasant surprise as he has proven me wrong. Yeah, you know, I was actually talking with uh, Kunal or... Uh, Invictus for our more longtime uh, community members. And he took kind of the same stance that you did. And I, I came to the realization that this is who Leonard Williams always has been in that he is a guy who can get into the backfield and create pressure, but he couldn't really get home and convert those pressures into sacks. Well, this year, the Giants secondary is holding up and giving him enough time to convert those pressures into sacks. So I don't want to say he's exactly proving us wrong so much that he is, at least right now, this year, this season, in the position that he hasn't been previously with the Giants or the Jets. Now, for me, my biggest surprise player is Logan Ryan. And A big part of that surprise is how he was still on the street for the Giants to sign him when they did. He is playing at a much higher level than a DB who who was a free agent looking for a job. He has played a number of different roles in this defense. he might not be a key cog, but he's absolutely a glue guy who allows the the other pieces 
to play so many different roles, to disguise coverages, to blitz. And he is, he kind of reminds me of Dion Grant a few years ago. Actually, no, a decade ago. I'm sorry, I just made myself feel old. Uh, he might not wow you with any one individual play, but he just shows up again and again and again and again. And he did not deserve to be on the street for the Giants to sign, but you know what? Good for them that he was. So just to wrap us up on today's show, if we were to provide our biggest draft need, I am on the same page with where you sit, Chris. I think this is my, my 1B. But considering that the Giants are in a position to get Micah Parsons, I want to say linebacker slash edge, but mostly linebacker. Micah Parsons is going to fill both of those things. He's an outside linebacker. He has edge versatility. He, he was previously a defensive end and a pass rusher uh, when he was being recruited. They moved him to, to outside linebacker. That versatility for me, if you're in a position to go get a linebacker like Parsons, you need to do it. And I think that if you add a second linebacker, a very talented linebacker to play next to Blake Martinez, that defense up front is going to be explosive in their front seven. So that for me, linebacker, if you can fill that need, you're not only getting rid of weak players, but you're bolstering your defense. It is going to be a very, very good defense if you can add one. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you with Micah Parsons. I said for biggest draft need just edge in general because of you know what I said before about why they were the worst unit. You know, the Giants need somebody who can fire off the ball, who can stress offenses with their speed, who can force coverages to or force offenses to roll their blocking towards him, force them to give one-on-one matchups to Dalvin Tomlinson or Dexter Lawrence or BJ Hill or you know whoever's on the other side, Zimenez or Carter, maybe force them to ignore a potential blitzer. The best defenses have two of those guys, but right now I'd settle for just getting one for the Giants. But also, if the Giants can get Micah Parsons, he does have that defensive end experience. He could be a Devin White type player but with even more off-ball ability. You know, White is a converted running back, so playing in space is, you know, that's all new to him. Parsons at least has experience doing that. He has the range. He has pretty good instincts in space, but he is a great downhill player, and he is a really dangerous pass rusher. And Patrick Graham could even line him up as, like, a nine-technique edge hand on the ground or stand up rusher and with his level of athleticism and knowing what to do from that position that could give offenses fits yeah i completely agree with you i really do think that besides linebacker if maybe you don't want to go linebacker if you add an edge player that is another position if they're brought into the mix a talented player this defense could go from being good to being very, very dangerous. Folks, that is going to be it for us here on the Chris and Joe Show. Thank you for tuning in. As always, be sure to follow us on social media. Hit that subscribe button, by the way. Follow us at Big Blue View. You can follow me at Joe DeLeon. You can follow Chris at RaptorMKII. And also head to BigBlueView.com for more Giants news and analysis.